0: hairs of your head are all numbered fear not you are more valuable than many sparrows and i tell you everyone who acknowledges me before men the son of man shall also will acknowledge uh, shall be acknowledged before the angels of god but the one who denies me before men will be denied before the angels of god and everyone who speaks a word against the son of man will be forgiven But the one who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. And when they bring you before the synagogues and the rulers and the authorities, do not be anxious about how you should defend yourself or what you should say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you that in that very hour what you ought to say. And so we all say back to the Lord. The glass withers and the flowers fall amen go ahead and be seated well just a cursory read of this passage you will notice that we don't have one or two but we have three really really hard teachings from the lord amen And so if you look at these passages, these are not easy passages to even understand, much less to be heard and to taught. So we would encourage you all, as we read and teach through this, uh, to understand that these are the words of Jesus Christ himself. And he is teaching them to us for our benefit. Part of God's grace, part of his goodness, is to expose us to things we would naturally not know in and of ourselves. And with these three teachings, we will see clearly that he has an agenda to get our attention. All right, we have another week where we have another crowd of people, a crowd of people that are encircling Jesus, and they're really trying to press in on Jesus. Uh, some would even say that there are thousands of people, a throng of people, that have gathered around Jesus so strong that they use the word trample. So there's a threat here there's a pressing in on Jesus that there are so many people that you're actually starting to get squeezed. So you see the picture. Everyone is clamoring to get to know Jesus. They heard his teachings, they understand his miracles, and they're trying to get a little closer to him. And these crowds are swelling over and over and over again so that there is a threat of trampling. But Jesus does something when the crowds get this large. And it's a little bit counterintuitive. Most of us are egocentric. We want the crowds. We want the biggest crowd possible. We want the audience to fill up arenas, right? That's our natural tendency. But what Jesus does is when the crowds begin to swell, he actually says some really hard things in order to dissipate that crowd to get to the heart of exactly who we are. And so here we have three hard, hard teachings with that exact same thing to try, to try to ease the crowd to understand what there's going. Jesus does something unexpected in this moment. In the crowds and in the throngs with lots of thousands, he actually withdraws the 12 disciples. He stopped talking to the masses and he actually zeroes in on this. And he says, I have something to say to you, disciples. So there's a level of preference here. Disciples, I want you to hear this. There's even a level of intimacy, meaning he's carving away these 12 in order to share with this exclusive crowd of people. I want you to hear this. Now, some of you say that's a little bit unfair. Does Jesus have a VIP or a back row, backstage uh, pass? Maybe, but it's less preferential and more just intentional. He wants them, the disciples, to hear this message. There's a message for all of the people and yet here, the harshest, 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 right? The harshest, right? Those words, right? Those teachings, those belong the disciples. And so what does he say? He comes to them and he says beware. Beware of this leaven. Beware of something. This is a continuation of chapter 11 where he says there are these woes or these warnings and those warnings were to the Pharisees. Well here in chapter 12 to begin there is another warning but this warning isn't to the Pharisees. The warning is actually to the disciples themselves. This is the innermost circle, getting the harshest language possible of Jesus. And so what does he say? He says, There is a leaven, there is yeast, there is something that has made it in its way into your group of people, and you need to be warned of this. And so what type of things is he warning against? Is he warning against greed? Right? Is he warning against extortion? Is he warning against homosexuality? Is he warning about these big monstrous sins that everyone is looking at and pointing their fingers at? In fact, he isn't. He's actually talking about another sin that has made its way into potentially the religious sect. He's talking about hypocrisy. It's not the big sins that Jesus is going after this morning is actually the small, subtle sins. In his book, Respectable Sins, Jerry Bridges says this. As a society, we are preoccupied with the major sins of our culture while we forget that we are to subdue the subtle sins of our heart. Let me say that again. As a society, we are preoccupied with the major sins of our culture while forgetting that we are to subdue the subtle sins of our hearts. And so what is this subtle sin? What is this insidious underbelly of our heart, our human condition? It's called hypocrisy. Hypocrisy is the thing that once it gets into your heart, it likely spreads like a cancer to all parts of our body. And so why do we know that? Well, because he uses this image of yeast. I'm not a baker, I'm not a cook, but I know enough about yeast or leaven to know that this thing is powerful. And you don't need a whole cup of it for it to do its job. You just need a little pinch of it, and it will be able to get through the entire lump or the entire dough in order to see the whole thing rise. So again, you don't need a whole cup, you just need a pinch. And what does it do? It goes. It's a silent, right? It's secret, and yet it's fully per- uh, pervasive into all of it. And it cannot be reversed. And so with this secrecy and with this silence and with its pervasive nature, the yeast will do what yeast does. It permeates everything. And it's permanent. You can't unleaven the dough at all. Once the leaven is there, it continues to eat and move the strong. So of course, Jesus is not talking about bread, is he? He's talking about your life, and he's talking about my life. But who is he going after? In chapter 11, he went after the religious Pharisees. These are the cultural conservatives. These are the theologically trained, right? These are the moral majority. This is who they are. And Jesus goes from religious to disciple, and he has these hard words for these groups of people. You need to beware that hypocrisy can get into your heart. And it's there that real damage can be done. In the first century, there there were actors' guilds. In the same way that there's actors' guilds here, there were thespians that would gather and and be able to do their act or be able to perform for crowds. And it was amazing. It was wonderful. And it was good. There was a stage and there was a, a plot twist and it was everybody was entertained. However, in the first century, they didn't have the technology that we have today. And so the wardrobes were rather simplistic. So there was no green screens. There was no AI. It was none of this. But they still had props. And so what they had was basically a mask on a stick. And it was that simple. And yet these actors were able to hold up this mask on a stick. And on this mask, it had either it was portraying happiness, right, in order to be happy, and then sadness in order to portray happiness. And the actors would literally speak behind the mask in order to act for the crowd. Well, do you know what the word hypocrisy uh, uh, derives from? the word actor. So actor and hypocrisy are very similar in nature. Because the actor was acting. The actor was portraying something from behind the mask. He didn't have to be happy. He just had to act happy and portray happiness. He didn't have to be sad. He just had to speak in a sad tone and hold a sad mask and this is how it was supposed to be. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. The Pharisees were hypocrites. And beware, disciples, you too are this close to being just like them. There is a razor's edge. There's a cliff in which you could step into, and that is into the world of outward appearance that does not reflect your inner love. For the outside, you're telling the world, I'm godly, and I love God, and everything is okay. When on the inside, you are miserable and full of pain, and you are far from the Lord. And so this is what hypocrisy is telling others that you are okay when you are not. Hypocrisy is telling others that you love God when in your heart you're far from him. This is hypocrisy. You're living a double life. You're living behind the mask. And so why is this so insidious to Jesus? Why is he bringing this warning to you and me? It's because he loves authenticity. He knows that there is only one who's lived perfectly, and that's him. For all, everyone else, we're all posers. We're all actors. We really all are hypocrites. There are some in here that have, are on the knife's edge of walking away from Jesus, walking away from Christianity, walking away from religion in general because of this idea of hypocrisy. Hypocrisy is not sinless. Hypocrisy is acting like you're okay when your world is falling apart. Hypocrisy is acting like I am. There's nothing wrong with my life. Portray that it is. Jesus wants our full self. He wants us to be honest about who we truly are. And so the opposite of hypocrisy is actually confession. confession. Confession of your real self and the real you, because we're all limited. If you have it on your display that all Christians are okay all the time, that is not true at all. We are a mess. We are a mess, and that's on purpose. We're broken, and that's on purpose because we need a savior. Hypocrisy gets down into the heart of our hearts because it's subtle, and it makes us believe that we're actually okay. We need to repent of these things, and we need to repent of a double lie. Jesus actually does a little threatening here, though. He says everything that is done in secret will actually be shared with other people. It will be shouted from the rooftop, meaning all students who do your cheating, you will get caught. Either you're conscious, you will have to confess, or some, someone will catch you all church leaders who are embezzling money, you will get caught. All mothers who are caught abusing or abandoning their children, she will be found out. Justice will prevail. Things will come out into life. Proverbs 28 tells us that whoever conceals their transgressions will not prosper. But those who confess and forsake He will obtain mercy. And so Christians, we're not perfect, but we are confessional. We don't have our act together, but we should act the Lord over and over and over to forgive us our sins. And so there are these rooftops, and there is this light of day which things will come out. It'll either come out by accident or come out by confession. These are our two options. And so for the believer, our job is to confess our sins one to another and we will be killed. That's the new kingdom. Right? Not acting like you have it all together. The new kingdom of God is actually being transparent with brothers and sisters that we need Jesus. And so a little thought activity for you. Let's just think about your last week. What if everything that you did or thought or said from this last 7 weeks were on display for everyone to see and to judge what would they find so everything on your your search history everything is out in the open you can't dodge it we're all seeing it every purchase that you made out in public for everyone to see every text message that you sent both angry, right, or manipulative or out in public for everyone to see. This is Jesus' warning to us. That if you knew those things were going to come out in public, would it change your behavior? Fundamentally, Jesus is saying, yes, you would change. And Jesus says, I can see it all. I really can see everything that you're doing. And yet you're not changing. I can see your heart. I can see your thoughts. And I also can hear your lack of confession. And that makes up hypocrites. Jesus is the strongest warning. These three teachings. He comes after hypocrisy. Because it's rank. It diminishes the grace of Jesus. It diminishes the good news of the gospel of Jesus in that we think that we can be our own saviors. We cannot. We need Jesus over and over and over again. Jesus goes on and he says a second strong. He says, I tell you, my friends, These disciples are coming close. He says, I tell you, these friends do not fear those who can kill the body. And after that, have nothing more that they can do to you. What can you do to a dead body? You can't make it more dead. But I warn you, again, beware of the leaven. I warn you to whom you should fear. Fear whom? Who after he has killed has authority to cast you into hell. I tell you, fear him. You thought paragraph one was hard teaching. Just wait till paragraph two. He is asking you and I to examine our life and examine what we fear. And he tells us really honestly, and completely, that we fear our bodies being harmed. So much so that we'll do anything and everything to keep this body and this life alive. We will wear seatbelts. We will wear helmets. We will take vitamins. We will put on sunscreen. We will do anything and everything to do what? To keep us standing up straight and to keep us alive. Why? Because we want to protect our body. We don't go into uh, dark alleyways. We just, I mean, like all of the things that we do to protect our lives, this is what we do. And it's logical and it's good. Jesus is saying for all of those efforts to try to keep yourself alive, You are fearful of dying. You're fearful because you don't want this life to end. But in the same way, fear God. Because God has more authority and more dominion over just a seatbelt and a helmet and physical protection. He actually has authority and dominion over your soul. There's something that will last more than 60 or 70 or 80 years on planet Earth. And it is called your soul. And it is God himself who has dominion over it. So we are to fear God, fear him. So this fear is this idea of reverence and awe over who God is and what he is. We are to see his holiness. We're able to understand who he is. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. We hear this in the scriptures. Why? Because this is who he is. We are to fear the one who is fully holy for us. God's people have always been instructed to fear God, fear him more than anything else. It started all the way back in the Old Testament. started with Abraham, Abraham. On on Mount Moriah, when he was about to sacrifice his son Isaac, God himself speaks and he says, Now I know. Now I know that you fear me. However, you and I, as God's people, again, this is the smallest group of people, we don't fear God like we should. Instead, we are too trivial with our lives. We focus only on protecting our bodies without re- realizing that we are to protect our soul. Did you not know that fearing the Lord is a good thing? It's actually the best thing. Because we're all built for eternity. Every one of us will live for all eternity. No doubt about it. It just depends on our destination of that age. This is one of the times when Jesus actually uses the word hell. And he teaches a very literal hell to his disciples. And with this warning, he says, there is a place that is so strong, so bad, that there needs to be a warning that we are to fear him. It's a physical place called Gehenna. It's, in, it's outside of Jerusalem. It's in, in uh, Israel. It's a valley. And in this valley, that's where they throw all of their garbage. And in this garbage, they start to burn this garbage. It's just absolutely, it's just perpetual burning. It's terrible. It's a forsaken valley that just torments everyone. And he just says, I want you to look at that valley, and I want you to see it smoldering. And he says, there's a warning there for your eternal soul. He starts this paragraph, dear friends, and he says, there is an opposite. There is a con- there's a contrast here. Dear friends, I want you to understand that there is a real grave consequence for your soul if you do not believe in Jesus. And that consequence is an eternal destiny destiny away from him for all eternity. These are hard teachings. I mean from hypocrites to hell. Jesus is not holding back. And again, he's not teaching to society at large. He's talking to the disciples. These are the people, God's people, that he's warning fully and completely that we need to weigh our decisions on earth. The things that we do on earth will have eternal consequences. Eternal consequences. And the last paragraph, just to sum up, Not that it's any easier. He says, then I tell you, everyone who acknowledges me before men, the Son of Man will acknowledge before the angels of God. That's a good thing. But the one who denies me before men will be denied before the angels of God. Everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven. But the one who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven from hypocrisy to hell now to straight up blasphemy speaking ill will towards someone else and this ability to not be forgiven these are hard words from Jesus we can tell that the the scene is shifting we can tell that his public ministry is starting to wane we could tell that his agenda is on the cross itself because he's wanting all of us to move away from the teachings and move away from the miracles and maybe even all of the feedings and just really understand the consequence of why he has come. Because there's true consequence on the other side of our decision. Do you remember that there were crowds and they were trampling him? Do you remember they were pressing in on him from every side? There is going to be a pressing on your life. There is going to be things that surround your life that press in on you. And you're going to be pressured to disavow King Jesus, to walk away from him and his message to us. The places that you live and the places that you work, the places that you play, you will be pressured to deny Jesus. He's giving you a grace this morning. And that grace is a warning that it's not if it comes, but when it comes. And you will have a choice whether to go and stay steadfast to the Son of God or to deny Him fully. Which way will you choose this morning? To be a hypocrite or to be fully confessional? To live eternity with the Son of God or be thrown into an eternal torment. To say, I'm with Him, or to deny Him publicly. This idea of blasphemy is the unpardonable sin. That's giving credit to the devil when credit belongs to Jesus. And we do this in subtle ways. By denying miracles, by His voice, By walking away from his convictions to throwing away his word in little small ways we give credit to the enemy when we should be giving credit to the Lord. So I want you to know this morning I'll just read it that there is a warning for you and me. Why? Because y'all are the assembled ones. This is the inner circle. These are the twelve. We get the warning so beware that that there is a day when your rejection of Jesus will be final. You will not get a do-over. And so what about today? Are you denying him? Are you walking with him? Is there anyone this morning that's tired of running from God, but instead wants to trust him today? This passage begins with a crowd trampling to see Jesus. And let this be a picture of a, truly a crowd of God's people, souls before God, clamoring to love Him more than anything. But it's also a picture of a crowd of people under God's ultimate judgment because they've chosen a different way. All of human history will stand before God's these are not easy words, but Jesus says, "If you deny Christ, you deny salvation. You walk away from the saving grace that He has extended to you today." Is there anyone in here this morning denying Him? If so, let us yearn, with all that we can yearn, to trust Jesus. In What do we do? What do we do in a moment like this? What do we say in a moment like this? And that's how our passage ends. That in a place of conflict, in a moment of confusion, we just cling to the Holy Spirit to teach us, to tell us what to say in a moment like this. Have I denied Him? Have I walked away from Him? Religious person. Have you denied Jesus, oh disciple? And if you have, this is your warning to come back to Him this very day for today is a day of salvation. Let me pray for us. And so Lord, we pray in your strong name that these words are not easy. You've called us a hypocrite. You've threatened us with hell and you've threatened us with blasphemy. And these are your people. These are your warnings to your people. Will you Allow revival not to be on the outside, but the inside this morning. I pray that with this hard teaching, that your Holy Spirit is stirring at least one person to trust you this morning. King Jesus, you start with this idea that your friends are on a razor's edge, on a precipice to either deny you or continue on. Help us to cling to you and you only. And so Lord, on the night that you were betrayed, King Jesus, we know that, Lord, we are so likely to walk away from you. Help us to be steadfast. But God, in our seasons of doubt and in our season of frustration, help us to look to you and you only who persevered perfectly on our behalf. Lord, one reason we teach just verse by verse and passage by passage is so that we don't jump over the hard passages. We believe that this hard passage was for me this week, for us this week, for us to be truly convicted by your word. Pray now, Lord Jesus, as you do the heavy lifting, and it's in your name we pray. And so there is,